I want to start by sharing uh, a dream I had the other morning just before I woke up. And it's interesting with the dream uh, because it's very much in line with a prophetic word I was given. Over a year ago now, just not long after we started Arise Scotland, and I shared this with the folks at Arise yesterday, um, Marshall phoned me up but over a year ago, I think it was now, it was a good while back, and we hadn't long started our eyes, and he just phoned me up for a blether, and then he just launched into, the word of the Lord came to him. So he started to prophesy some things, um, and speak into my life. It was really for the eyes, you know, it wasn't just for me personally, but it was, but, it was, but, but I took, I received it on behalf of the group. And it, it was really saying that, the Lord wanted us to have influence in the Scottish Parliament and influence in, in the, the key word was governmental. And he mentioned the key of David, and Marshall didn't know this, but I teach a lot in the key of David. So it was, it was a very powerful word, and I really was blessed by it. So when I had this dream the other morning, I woke up, and the first thing I thought of was Marshall's prophecy, because it was very much in line with that. I'll just share the dream with you. In the dream, I'm traveling around Scotland with Nicola Sturgeon, okay? And she has appointed me the national spokesman for God, like a kind of national chaplain thing. But not just, oh, well, you can pray at the beginning of the parliament and then you get back in the cupboard type thing. <laughs> it was a really prominent role. It was high profile and she was doing everything she could to promote this. So I was, and, and, and she was having me booked to all these meetings and we're going round, and she was very officious. She was, we weren't pals, we weren't buddies. It wasn't, you know, me and my pal Nick. It was, but she was really, really fervent about doing this. But it was very much on a, you know, Mr. McMurdo level. So, uh, and then I had, at, at one stage, she showed me a schedule and she says, well, I want you to do this, I've got these gospel crusades and you need to do this big rally so important you go to this big rally and bring the, the message and what and i kept calling her missus <laughs> i kept saying i had that's all right missus and uh you know i would say is everyone okay here missus and in the dream i'm going to myself because i don't use that language i don't speak to women like that do i be honest i don't i think it's quite demeaning and rude unless you're really you know somebody really well in you Taking the mickey a wee bit, but I don't do it, it's not. And in the dream I'm going, why am I saying this? Why am I calling her missus? She's the first minister. And she never said anything. And at one point in the dream I thought, I better say to her. So I said to her, I said, look, I, said, I don't mean offence when I'm calling you missus. She said, oh no, it's, it's okay, it's okay, right? So, so, and the dream ended that her and I are sitting at this table and she's got all the cameras there, and there's this big national, a wee bit like what Boris is doing at eight o'clock. There's this big announcement to the nation, and I'm sitting there, and she's going to interview me and ask me so that I, I have the opportunity to tell the nation about the Lord. So, and that's when I woke up. And when I woke up, so I was kind of a wee bit puzzled about calling her missus. And I just felt the Lord said to me, that's to show you because I said, well, I don't speak like that in all of this, but it's to show you, she was deferential to you. You weren't deferential to her. You know, it was like she was, uh, you were in control. Yeah. 
so I received as a blessing, and then not long after that, Marshall contacted me online, uh, and I shared it with him. So that's how I really knew it was a, it was a very, very vivid dream. Um, so, uh, but I didn't, it's not just for me, I receive it on behalf of us as God's remnant. Because there's a message in that, and the message is that everything that we're talking about and teaching about and the decrees and so on, God is saying that's where he wants to position us, in that place of influence. In that place, not that we'll run the country, but that we will speak into national things and we'll do it through governmental systems and, and leaders. And it might not be Nicola Sturgeon, it's just that she's the first minister at present. And, and I'm going to be honest, I hope she's not first minister for long. Um, but she, she symbolised the head of things, the head of state. Well, she's not the head of state, the Queen is, but you understand. Anyway, so in line with that, I really felt the Lord impressing me to speak on this subject, and, and I don't, it's not going to be a one-nighter. I'm going to probably make a series of this because there's so much to it. So I'm going to just look at a couple of scriptures to start with, which is Genesis 17, verse 4. Uh, if you want to look it up, but I'll just read it out. And God is speaking to Abraham, and he says, Thou shalt be a father of many nations. And then in Isaiah chapter 22, verse 21, God is speaking, or the prophet Isaiah is speaking, the Lord through him, about Eliakim. And Eliakim, of course, replaced Shebna as the king's chamberlain, or the present office, you would say, that's the most, the closest to that would be probably prime minister, okay? The right-hand man of the king. And it says, he shall be a father to the inhabitants of Jerusalem and to the house of Judah. So what I want to really bring across, and this is quite a deep message, folks. This is not uh, milk. This is not ABC. It's, it's not building blocks. Uh, this is uh, quite deep because I want to speak about fathering nations. And fathering nations is only for mature saints. Okay, it's not for baby Christians. It's not for uh, immature folks, but it's mankind's great need right now. It's Britain's great need. It's Scotland's great need. And I believe that the Lord is saying to us that he wants the remnant to walk in this sphere of ministry. Okay, which says that we need to understand God has called us to father nations. And we'll look at what that means. And you say, well, I'm a woman. How does that work? Well, you know, it's not gender It's not a gender thing, okay? But there are mothers, you know, uh, there are mothers in Israel, and Deborah was, you know, she was a mother in Israel. But it's, it's fathering, okay? So there is a dimension of it where God wants men to step up and take responsibility. But it's for all of us. It's not a gender thing. It's a maturity thing. When we talk about fathers, we're talking about maturity. And we'll see that as we go on. Nations need fathers. Okay, Scotland needs fathers. And, the, and we need fathering leaders. That's why the, the, the nations are in a mess, because our leaders, Jesus said, that the, the Gentiles, leaders in the Gentiles, that they're looking after their own interests. 
Because they're not fathers, they're not shepherds. They don't have a shepherd and father and heart. Nations are failing because they're not being led by fathers. The earth is groaning because there are not enough fathers leading the nations. And we know that the Bible says creation groans for the manifestation of the sons of God. But it's, it's talking about mature sons. And mature sons are fathers. You know, when a man raises a, a, a son, he doesn't raise him to be a son forever. He raises him to be a father. You understand? So maturity is fatherhood. And the Bible teaches that. We'll look at that. Men abandoned kingship as a governmental model and they sought their own Frankenstein systems. You know, America didn't want to be ruled by a king, so, well, let's have a republic. So, but they didn't want to be ruled by a king because the king's got too much power. But do you know of any head of state who's got more power than the president of the USA? So, but men don't like king's kingdom. That's why we've got all these prime ministers, presidents, chairmen, all that, because men reject kingdom. Thank God that we live in a kingdom. But there's a lot of countries out there that have thrown off the kingdom model of leadership. But you know, heaven is a kingdom. Jesus prayed, I'm sorry, told us to pray, thy kingdom come. He didn't say, thy democracy come, thy republic come, because heaven is a kingdom and Jesus is the king of that kingdom and his father is king. Now, of course, kings have failed us in the past. And why did kings fail? Why did men throw off kings as leaders and sought different, you know, parliamentary democracies and all the constitutional this and that? Because kings weren't being fathers. They were being tyrants. Tyranny is what we are fighting, folks. It doesn't matter if it comes in the form of Boris. It doesn't matter if it comes in the form of uh, a whole bunch of different systems. You know, Nazism, Fascism, Communism, Socialism. They're all just names. It doesn't matter how it comes. Tyranny is the enemy of mankind. Because tyranny is the kingdom of darkness. We have a benevolent king but we have a king that rules with an iron fist. Or an iron rod, really, if we're being bubbly. Now, the Stuarts in 17th century England and Scotland spectacularly failed in this very regard. They didn't want to be fathers to the nation. They brought war and bloodshed to the British Isles because they wanted to hammer home the divine right of kings that if we tell you to do something because we're kings, you do it, and you do it, you know, and you don't argue, you don't debate, so that was dictatorship. They weren't fathers, so people said, we're not having that. So the Stuarts' obsession with being rulers and not fathers actually helped to found America uh, as a, a nation because people with a vision for a nation led by Father God fled to the new world to follow that destiny, the, the pilgrims, the Puritans. They said, well, we're not having this. We want, we want a, a proper... Uh, Nation where God is in control. But you've got to say this. Kings are not fathers by default. And that's why we have all the strife and the war and the bloodshed in the earth. Because, you know, the power goes to their head. 
And of course, they're taught from a young age how to wield power, and that means putting other people down. Unless we get kings, like the good kings of the Bible, Hezekiah and Josiah and, and David, unless we get good kings, godly kings, then we're going to struggle with the kings because they've got this power thing going on. Now, our geopolitical system right now is the result of centuries of misrule by men who would not be fathers to their nations. They need us for fathers. And the, the nations are in tumult because our national leaders want to throw off God's rule. They reject the kingdom of God for their own systems. And so these men wouldn't be fathers to their nations, but they sought to exploit, pillage, and subjugate the peoples of the world. That's where we are. It doesn't matter if that person is sitting on top of a media empire or an internet empire or whatever. Kings today maybe are different from kings in the past. And, and you could also argue that kings, i.e. the visible heads of countries, they're not the same as those that are in authority because the kings and rulers are the puppets of those that are truly in authority. We know, we know the system, we know how it works. That's how the cabal works. The real rulers are invisible as much as possible. Now, Jesus said that the kings of the nations exercised lordship over them and they loved to be called benefactors. In other words, that mantra that we hear today and we'll hear no doubt again in an hour's time, it's for your own good. We're doing this for your good. And it's often spoon-fed to us by governments, particularly since the scandemic began. Now, most nations were no longer ruled over by kings, at least as far as titles go, as I said, but our governments have rulers who act as kings, and this is the thing that we all know. We're not ruled or led over. Sorry, ruled over or led by fathers. We, we don't, we, there's a dearth of fathers in the, earth, in the church. How many apostolic fathers do we really know? Shepherding men, men with a, a pastor's heart. How many do we really know? And, and Cam's just uh, recently pointed out, very bluntly, <laughs> on Facebook, that many of these leaders uh, need to repent for telling lies to people and coaxing them to take a poison in their system. And it's time we started calling it what is. This is the crying need of the age, folks, for people to be fathers to their nation. And it's not going to happen with these guys. It's not going to happen in Holyrood. It's not going to happen in your local constituency office. It's not going to happen with the Egypts that you, we vote into the different offices. It has to happen here in the remnant. And I won't even say in the church, in the remnant church, in the remnant army of God. I don't just mean in our meeting, but remnants where there are true remnants. Thank God for Pastor Terry over in Oregon. You know, I, I listen to this guy preaching. I'm thinking, he has been listening to my messages. <laughs> or he, he's, he's been getting into my head because he's using the same phrases. But you know what that is? It's the Holy Spirit. But the remnant are saying the same thing across the nations, using the same phrases. And it's not just phrases. Oh, yeah, we've got these phrases. It's spirit and life. 
When God finds a man or a woman who has a father's heart for the land, he will remove a mercenary leader. We can see that in Isaiah 22. We'll look at that at some stage. And replace them with the person who has the father in heart. If we pray that way. You know, that's why we pray and decree, let the wicked be removed from power and be replaced by the godly. Now you see, well, that's not going to happen overnight. It doesn't matter. It can, because God can do miracles. And if you say, oh, well, I don't see any godly, Lord, so, uh, you know, why am I praying this? Well, we don't see the 7,000 that have bowed the knee to Baal. But whether it takes three years, 30 years, we must decree these things. Because we need to turn this round. When God finds a man like that, he will, or a woman like that, with that heart, he will, as I said, replace the wicked ones with that person. God is looking for people who will be fathers to their nation. Tonight I'm recruiting, or the Lord is recruiting, fathers, mothers, people who say, and you know what I'm really saying is, people who take responsibility. People who put their hand up and say, I'll do it. It's on me now. That's what God's looking for, folks. One thing you have to understand is that being a father to your nation, and we're not going to pull any punches here or uh, give you promises of moonbeams and, and unicorns. If you, if you accept the call to be a father to your and I'm not talking, oh yes, I'm going to pray, or I'm an intercessor, or I'm... We're not even talking about, we're talking about way beyond that. We're talking about God taking your nation and putting it in your heart and you feeling the same grief he feels. So, being a leader to your nation, being a father to your nation is going to crush you. It is a life of unimaginable pain and suffering. You'll find yourself weeping at times and you just don't even know why. You know why, but it's just come from, it seems nowhere. But that is the Lord in you. Because you said, I'll, I'll be that person. God will break anybody who walks in this calling a million times, folks. So don't just, oh yes, sounds great, I'm excited, yes, amen. Can I be a general in the army? Well, you can. But you need to understand it's going to break you. Because if it doesn't, if the weight of it doesn't break you, you're not really feeling the heart of God. He has to put your nation, or the nation, in your heart. And that alone is agony because you will grieve at how the people of your nation snub his fatherhood. It's not just about us being fathers to the nation, it's about God being a father to Britain, to Scotland to the British Isles, to the nations. Fathering a nation is weeping and pain and sorrow. Are you ready for this? So that's, I'm just being honest, that's how it is, okay? See, to be a father to your nation is to endure the contradiction. The Bible speaks about Jesus endured the contradiction. What was that? Well, think about it. He's perfect, he's sinless, he knows things, he's revelation, he's walking... And the fullness of the Holy Ghost, nothing is hidden from him, and he's got to hang out with all these numpties. Am I right? And he's got all these real numpties coming up to him. Who do you think you are? You know, and nobody to fellowship with other than God the Father. 
So he endured that contradiction. You know, uh, you, you might find in your life there's a few folk that you can fellowship with on the same level. But Jesus didn't really have that. You're given the blueprint of your nation's prophetic destiny. Yet you also are keenly conscious of how far the present moment really falls short of this. That's why a lot of people are attracted to uh, things of really darkness. You know, people would rather focus in, oh, look what they're doing now. We're all going to die. You know, that guy that was in Dad's army, we're doomed. Yeah? We're doomed. Because we have to take the victory by faith. But the more we look around, the more we see Oh, look what they're doing now. Look what they're saying now. Look at what they're threatening now. So being a, a father to your nation, fathering your nation means that you have to be somebody who really sticks close to the Lord and shuts out all those TikTok videos, YouTube, you name it. Now, a lot of that stuff is good information to know, but it's not information that should overwhelm you and overload you and crush you. You need to know it so you can decree against it. What you feed yourself is what you walk in. So this is hard stuff to endure. Let's not pretend. Fathers are not made, they're not produced on cushioned pillows or beds of ease. You know, when there's a noise downstairs in the middle of the night, it's not the kids you send downstairs, it's the fathers. Or my case. Agnes. But you know, it's true, isn't it? When there's tough stuff to be done as a father, isn't it, that goes? <laughs> Five, yeah. Fathers are made in the forge of the Holy Spirit. To be a father to your nation is to know what it means to go through fire over and over till all personal ambition and selfish motive are removed. Mercenaries cannot be fathers. The vainglorious are similarly disqualified. Being a father means losing, losing ego. You know, at the four stages of manhood, you start off believing in Santa, then you stop believing in Santa, then you are Santa, and number four, you look like Santa. So being a, man, being a father... Being a father is, is, isn't, you know, <laughs> as, as Hannah said to me the other day, she saw a picture of me a few years back, she went, oh, Dad, you were quite the man. <laughs> and I'm thinking, is that a compliment or is that an insult? Because <laughs> she saw you were, you were quite the man. But it's almost the same, but look at you now. <laughs> See, fathers don't, fathers don't get, it's not an ego, it's not an ego thing. We need national leaders who have a father's heart. We know that. That's what we pray. See, when, when the Bible says pray for those who have the rule over you or the authority, that's what it means. We need to pray that they will have a father's heart. And if they don't, that we need to pray that they'll be removed and that somebody who does will replace them. Kings should be fathers to their nation. That's, you know, I want to say this to you just before we get any further. This book is written to kings and national leaders. 
Okay, we start off reading about Abraham, who was the father of many nations, and then we read about Moses, who was effective president, if you like, of Israel. Then we go into a time of judges, who were all national leaders. Then we get a uh, Israel wanted a king, and then Samuel, the two books, Kings, the two books, Chronicles, the two books, are all about kings. And then we get into Psalms, many of which were written by kings, Proverbs, which are written by a king, then the prophets who all spoke to kings. Then we go over into the New Testament and we see the king of kings. And then at the end he says, and you're king priests. So this is a book for kings. And if you read it as, you know, like a, that ladybird book view of the Bible. You know, a childish view. Gentle Jesus, meek and mild. If you, if you read it like that, we need to grow out of that. And start saying, this is a manual, not just for living, but for reigning in life by Christ Jesus. And I don't just mean reigning in your own life, I mean reigning in every sense of the word, because we reign and rule over the nations, not because we storm uh, the offices of power and we start a militia and all that, but we do it by our decrees. I was saying yesterday, in Arise, what about in Isaiah where it says, kings will come to the brightness of your rising. Is that the Lord just being nice? No, it's real. He's saying, I've designed you that kings and national leaders will come and say, what you have we need. And do you know what it is that they'll be attracted to? And do you know what the nations will be attracted to? People of a fathering heart. People who say, I'm taking responsibility and when you say that in the spirit, and that's what you do when you make decrees, when you say that, the devil sits up and takes notice, the demons sit up and take notice, the principalities in the second heaven, they sit up and take notice because finally God has people in the earth who will be manifest sons. And you know what the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. And then it says creation awaits them. And peacemakers are people who bring peace to nations. Our objective against this horrible cabal that we're facing right now is not chaos, it's not destruction, it's not uh, anarchy. It's peace. Put down the wicked and let the godly reign in their stead. Kings should be fathers to their nation. When those who rule a nation focus on power and not responsibility, you end up with tyranny. You end up with control freak, freakery, leadership, which is no leadership. The minute you become a control freak, that's not leadership. That's tyranny. And we have to be honest, that's what we see along the road in Edinburgh. And that's what we see in Heraclitus. And it's not being political, because to be, to be fair, none of them are any different. When those who rule a nation focus on power and responsibility, you end up with tyranny. And tyrants do not make good fathers. Am I right? You know, when you shout at your kids, as sometimes I do, you've been a tyrant. If, if you're not right, you understand, if you're just angry and sounding off, uh, then that, that's not fatherhood, that's tyranny. 
People need fathers. Everybody needs fathers. Everybody. Nations need fathers. This is how God has created us. That's why the, the one person in Scripture that the Bible says, if, if you're not in Abraham, you're not even in Christ. Those who are in Christ are the seed of Abraham. And what did God say about Abraham? I've made you a father of many nations. So if we're going to be like Abraham, then we need to be fathers. We need to be mothers. We need to understand that we need to step into that mature place where we say, listen, I'm taking responsibility for all this that's going on. I'm not going to hide in church. I'm not going to um, hide in my bedroom. Um, I'm not going to pretend that nothing's happening and we'll just go back to church as normal. I'm not going to pretend that things are ever really going to be the way they were because, quite frankly, the way they were sucked anyway. Am I right? And we always wanted, oh, we want the move of God. And, but now we're not, it's not an option. We either have the move of God or we're going to be crushed. Remember this important thing. We think, it's, you know, and, and it's true. I, I'm not saying it's not true, but we have this, oh, you need to know Jesus. But Jesus came to reveal the Father. He said, all things are delivered unto me of my Father, and no man knoweth the Son but the Father. Neither knoweth any man the Father save the Son, and he to whomsoever the Son will reveal him. So Jesus isn't interested, really, in revealing himself. He's interested in revealing the Father. That's his mission. I want to show you the Father is what he's saying. He said that in different forms several times. He did not come to do his own will, but the will of the Father. The mission of Jesus was to reveal the Father. When he taught us to pray, how to pray, he began with the words, our Father. Not my Father. So much of Christianity is me-centric, isn't it? It's me-centered. Oh, my relationship with Jesus. Oh, it's Jesus and me through all life's sorrows. We've got this personal individual walk with the Lord thing going on, which is, we have to have that. But we then neglect this fact that we're in a body and that we're in, we're in things together. And it's our Father. And you know when it says, as he is, so are we in this world. So we have to have that family consciousness going on. And in a family, everything begins with the Father, doesn't it? And in, in, a, in creation, everything begins with the Father. Legitimacy comes from authority. And when you think about it, all authority comes from the Father, from Father God. There is no authority in existence that isn't delegated by Him. There is usurped authority, uh, and sometimes that authority it latches on to existing legitimate authority, and other times it's just assumed. But all authority, true, authentic authority, genuine authority comes from the Father. The centurion recognized that Jesus' authority came from somebody who had sent him. Someone had sent him. And he realized that Jesus was under someone's authority. Mm -hmm. Of course, that someone was the Father. 
We are all under the Father's authority as sons and daughters of God. And if Jesus is under his authority, you and I certainly are. So it's vital to understand that the primary way Yahweh God has chosen to reveal who he is to us is as our Father. Now we know him as Lord, we know him as God, we know him as King, we know him as Lord of hosts, all the different titles. But the, the, the one he really wants to, us to know, that's what he sent Jesus for. Reveal me as their Father. Jesus himself tells us to look beyond himself to see the Father in him and through him. And I've said this earlier, but I want to say it again. We talk a lot about mature sons. But it's not a complete revelation unless we realize that maturing as sons means we mature to be fathers. You know, we, we can't just have our children stay in perpetual children. We have to teach them to be parents. A lot of people want to relate. This, this is something I want to touch on. I believe the Lord wants to say A lot of people want to relate to Jesus because they're afraid of fellowship with the Father. You know, that's people that, oh, Jesus is my best pal. Jesus is my homeboy. Jesus is my cosmic guru. You know, Jesus is my, you know, my best pal. And this speaks of a type of a father wound in us. It's like, and, and it's a kind of Catholic thing, isn't it, really? Oh, Jesus, well, and, and you've got Jesus, who's quite stern, but Mary, oh, she's, she, she'll, you know, she'll love you regardless. But not the Father. He's, he's oh, you can't go to the Father. Because, you know, he'll zap you. So there's a, a scare, scaredness of God. I'm not talking about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is clean. The fear of the Lord is a good thing. But I'm talking about this. It's a father wound that you don't want to relate to God as father because maybe you're, you've got, you know, and, and I don't mean this, folks. I don't mean this in a derogatory way. I say it in a way so that you understand what I mean, daddy issues. Does that make sense? But it's not a nice way of putting it. I'm talking about father wounds. You didn't have a father maybe who loved you or, looked or said he loved you or all that type of thing. The vast majority of people have a father wound or father wounds. And sometimes people take that into the relationship with the Lord that they're happy to speak to Jesus and fellowship with Jesus and it's all about Jesus, but don't speak about God the Father. But people with this type of father wound like to hang out with Jesus as a brother and friend, but are scared to be intimate with Father God. But Jesus is calling us to intimacy with his Father. And if you're going to be a father, a mother to the nation, you have to have that relationship with God the Father. You have to know him as Father. That's why the Spirit uh, in your heart cries out, Abba, Father. To father a nation, and this is key, this is vital, you must have your father wound healed. I'll say that again. To father a nation, you must have your father wound healed. You cannot be immature and father a nation. Ultimately, and this is, you say, well, what do I do? Ultimately, maturity is healing. Choosing to be healed is maturity. I don't care how bad your father was to you. That father wound can be healed. You see, a father endures all things, including suffering and pain, 
to be the person he is supposed to be. A father endures for those he fathers and is responsible for. As a father to your nation, you are responsible for your nation and its people. Maturity is knowing the father. I want to say this a wee, wee, uh, about this, so maybe touch on this at another time. Um, but when I'm saying I'm talking about healing, choosing to be healed is maturity. The Bible says, honour your father and mother. It doesn't say love them. Honour is a command. Love isn't. Oh, but you've got to love your mum and dad. Well, if you have a mum and dad, that, that, that's, how you, that's great. But some folks, let's be honest, their mum and dad or their father or one of them, how could you love them? And it doesn't say respect them. See, honour and respect are two different things. Respect is earned. Well, I respect my dad because I, I knew what he had to endure in life. I knew what he had to suffer. I knew, I knew how hard they worked. To, to, you, you can respect people. But if they've never earned your respect, how can you respect them? But honour is in your gift. Honour is, is where you say, Lord, I don't love them. I don't respect them. I'd love to love them and respect them. But I honour them because I'm commanded to honour them because honour affects me. When I honour how you brought me into this earth, even through not just imperfect people, but horrible people. When I honour that, that means, you see, what you honour, you can influence. Where you don't show honour, you can't influence. You know, I'll just put it another way to you. If Nicola Sturgeon came through the door, or Boris, or, and you started throwing stuff at them, and jeering them, or cursing them, or attacking them, that's not honour. You, you can rebuke them, you can, you can say what you want, but when we step over the line into dishonour, because what we would do is honour the office. Yeah. We don't necessarily honour the person, but we honour the office. And honour is key to being a father. That's why the Bible says, honour all people, honour all men. Love the brothers, fear God, honour the king. Because honour gives you access. It gives you access to God. It gives you access to men. But it also means that if you're walking in honour, then you are sown seeds that people will honour you. You'll reap honour when you sow honour. So let's be very careful because we're not the rebellion, we're the resistance. And we're the resistance um, because we, um, we show honour. And I'm not saying honour where it's due, I'm saying we show honour even where it's not due. That's the whole point of honour. Well, I'm going to wrap it up there, folks. Um, didn't get too far into this, uh, my notes here, but I'm going to keep this series going. I'm not saying we'll do it uh, every time I speak, might dip in and out of it, but um, this is really in my heart to teach. And just to wrap it up to say this, why are we looking at Father and Nations? Because there's going to be a void. If you really believe, and I do, I, I believe this, folks. If we keep decreeing and we keep going after these people, we'll pull them down. There's going to be a void. Especially if they end up going into hiding. Who's going to lead? Now, I'm not saying, as I said, we're going to get into 
Holyrood and we're going to sit and I'm going to be, uh, you know, sitting in the first minister's chair. That'd be nice. Amen? But we're not talking about that. We're talking about there is a void right now anyway. And that void is who will, it's not just who will stand in the gap as an intercessor, but who will say, I'm a father, I'm a mother to this nation. I, t- I take it, I take it on. I remember, I remember clearly, clear as anything. I remember where I was, exactly where I was. And I remember when the Lord said to me, you're the father of this nation. Clear as anything in my spirit, man. And I, I'm not saying, well, I'm the father of the nation, guys. I'm not like Abraham Lincoln or something like that. That's not what, what we're talking about. Because God is looking for, for plural. It's people who God who will accept not just the burden of the nation, but who will accept the role of saying, with no one else stepping up to take responsibility, I'm doing it. And that's really, I suppose, what that dream was. That's a big part of what Marshall prophesied. But it's not just oh, for Bill McMurdo. It's for us. It's for those who will stand up and say, Lord, you need me to stand in that place where, because they don't know, Nicholas Sturgeon doesn't know, Boris doesn't know, uh, Swinney doesn't know, he certainly doesn't know, um, doesn't know what day of the week it is. Anyway, these people don't know that God needs somebody in the earth who will father nations. They're supposed to do it. It's their job to do it, but they don't even know they have to. And quite frankly, they don't want to. So somebody has to do it. And that somebody is you and I, folks. So what I'm going to do, um, I'm going to ask Cam to come and lead us in prayer in this so that we all respond to this. Does that make sense? We're all going to respond to this. You don't need to respond if you say, I'm not ready to do that. But if you are ready then let's just get a time of prayer and, and very quickly respond to what the Lord has been saying to us tonight. Amen.